You're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast about the Opera Story's new production of Beauty and the Seven Beasts, which is running from the 6th of April to the 14th of April at the Brixton Jam. I'm Hamish Mackay and I'm the artistic director of the opera story. Beauty and the Seven Beasts um, is possibly the most incredible but also the most challenging project that we've done so far. Um, we, we came up with the idea to put Beauty and the Beast and the Seven Deadly Sins together um, and the, we watched a lot of trash TV over lockdown and so inspired the main theme of Beauty and the Seven Beasts which was dating. My name's Dan D'Souza and I am playing Beast. One of the taglines we're going for with the plot of this is kind of Tinder meets Black Mirror but with a sort of fairy tale twist on it. I don't mind my looks aren't my best feature. My name is Catherine Aitken and I'm playing Beauty in Beauty and the Seven Beasts. So Beast works for this online dating site uh, that Beauty has signed up for and uh, over the course of the opera they develop uh, a relationship of sorts and uh, yeah, you'll have to come and see it to find out whether or not it works out or not. You, I could see that one coming. created, and I won't give away too much of the story, but what we've, we've created is essentially an opera about a queer woman going on dates with lots of different people, but it's not being used as either a, a punchline or it's being used as a plot twist. It's not discussed, it just happens, and I think that that's a really wonderful thing to be bringing into opera, which is predominantly heteronormative and, in a way, Boring. So it's the, the the story for me is really you've really yeah. delivered that line, yeah. Thanks. Um, so the story for me was what was really interesting, and and the music is absolutely incredible. Have a lot of girls around, do you? Running round topless, screaming and cackling and burning fifties. This is all linked to the Seven Deadly Sins. I can remember four of them, I think. Pride, gluttony, greed, lust, avarice. Envy, sloth, wrath. I'm, I'm struggling with, with wrath. Rage. 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 Wow, seriously, wow. It's so nice to meet someone so honest. To meet someone so open. So checked in with their emotions. <laughs> So I'm Barak Dyer and I am the conductor for Beauty and the Seven Beasts. I'm Hamish Mackay and I'm the artistic director of the opera story. Um, and Did then, you both find then 
the pandemic was sort of creatively energising. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I basically decided that I shouldn't stop because if I did stop, maybe I wouldn't start again. So I just kept on powering through the whole way um, and commissioned uh, way more than I've ever commissioned before. So it was the kickstart, I think, for, to the future of, of the opera story, which is more than one opera a year now. So there was, no, there was no point in time when you had that sudden moment of both of you, oh, what are we going to do now? What's my identity? Oh, my God, is this ever going to end? I'm uh, clearly bringing quite a lot of the, myself I, to this interview. But. I, I, I absolutely had. Um, I definitely took some time off. I, I felt like I'd sort of been working seven days a week for about 10 years. And uh, when the pandemic hit and I was in the middle of a show, the tour got cancelled. I just sort of thought, OK, that's it. I'm going to sit on the sofa until it blows over. And obviously I didn't, but... Um, I did take quite a bit of time off, yeah. <laughs> Complete opposite to you. <laughs> but that, that said... Well, maybe he went running because... No, OK. <laughs> I, it's not like I didn't in, you know, enjoy certain elements of it. I did take it easy. So I, a lot of the commissioning that I did over the lockdown was from a little paddling pool in our back garden, enjoying the sun. So, it, you know, it was... Why is there a little paddling pool in the back? Because it was really sunny, so I thought, well, we can't go anywhere swimming. How big is a paddling pool? Uh, it's about the size of a double bed. It's quite big. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's the, it's the details of everyday big, life yeah. that I'm more interested in rather than the actual work. You could sit there during the whole day, have a cocktail and, and commission. You sat in a paddling pool big enough to be like a double bed yeah. with a cocktail and you commissioned works. Yeah. You supported the art, you shored up the arts industry. Exactly. But from a paddling pool. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what did you do? Um, made cocktails? No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, what did I do? Uh, I, I supported Hamish. Um, did, did you, did you uh, sort of ease into it? You know, did you ease into the sitting on the sofa thing easily? Or if given that you've been active for 10 years, did you find that transition hard? I found it surprisingly easy to do nothing um, <laughs> and that's great. but, that's but great. actually I have to say I think having given myself the opportunity to take a bit of time off and to rest and actually for the first time in a very long time feel like I woke up every morning feeling rested I actually feel like now I'm totally re-energized now that I'm working again you know been working you know, since last this time last year, I guess. Um, so I do feel like I I approach work with a slightly different energy, um, but also I have a lot more energy to give because I'm not constantly trying to catch up with myself. How do you approach it differently now? I think that there is an element of looking at the overall picture which I think we all felt a little bit over lockdown where you sort of stop to think oh what I do every day in life isn't maybe the picture I want to paint when I look back in 50 years or whatever um, so I think it's a bit like that that you know there are tough days at work there are easy days at work there are fun days and you know days where you just want to like pull your hair out but it's the overall picture and actually you know I think I feel really invested in enjoying the process as much as the shows. I think sometimes in a rehearsal room it's really easy to forget about enjoying the process because, you know, sometimes we spend 
with certain companies, you might spend six, seven weeks rehearsing and then the shows are over in two weeks. The shows are such a small amount and actually if the process is enjoyable, if you've really enjoyed that process, it shows in the shows. It shows in the chemistry of the cast, of the musicians, of you know a conductor working with the singers. You, I think you can really tell the difference on stage. Obviously, as an audience member, you don't know why that difference is happening. But I just, yeah. So enjoying the process and having a, a bigger overall picture, I think. Uh, this is quite a mammoth production because you have eight composers, seven composers. Oh, you can say it. You can say it out loud that I've got it wrong. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to save my reputation, only your own. Uh, <laughs> so seven, uh, seven composers, seven librettists, and so therefore seven soloists plus Beauty and the Beast. Eight soloists plus Beauty and the Beast. Is, Lots yeah. of people's names to get wrong. Well, I mean, after you live with the project for around two years, yeah, you kind of, um, you kind of remember... <laughs> I mean, yeah. So From I guess, your paddling ball no, with your coat. Yeah, well, exactly. No, I mean, I guess um, for, for, for a lot of people who, who work on a project, they might, like, you know, they might be there for six, seven weeks. But for me, it's, it's kind of between one and two years, usually, that I'm living with a project from the sort of seed of the idea of what story I want to tell and how I want to tell it to the performance um, so that process is a, a long time to live with. What excites you both about this as we sort of head career towards opening night? I would say getting to share this with a live audience finally. I mean, yeah, as you said, it's been a, it's been a long time since we've been on stage um, with a live audience and getting to share seven incredible composers and librettists' work um, and then the most uh, incredible cast that you you wouldn't uh, be surprised to find on the Royal Opera House or ENO stage, um, but in a nightclub, um, that I think that excites me um, as a sort of new chapter for the opera story. Uh, I'm really excited for people to experience something so different, and you know to have this element of a vast majority of the show being pre-recorded but it's still feeling live and exciting and like something that they've not experienced before I think um, and with an absolutely stellar cast and orchestra I just yeah I, I feel excited and I hope that people who come will uh, walk away from it thinking that was quite an experience You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast presented by John Jacob. Follow Thoroughly Good on Twitter at Thoroughly Good, Thoroughly underscore good on Instagram and Thoroughly Good Me on Facebook.